If you would, grab your Bible or your phone, whatever you prefer, and turn to Genesis chapter 6. We will start in verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah, and Noah was a, just a man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark thou, and thy sons and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and that shall be food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded, so did he. We'll also turn to Genesis 7, read a couple of verses there. We'll start in verse 5. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of the waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. We'll skip down to verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep, broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Skip down to verse 15. And they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is, is the breath of life. And they, and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle, 
and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. As you can see here from what we just read, Noah was a faithful man, and he did everything God asked him to. The, my title this, after, this morning is Dealing with Doubt. At moments we can feel strong in our faith and confident in our beliefs, yet at other moments we can find ourselves questioning or second-guessing everything we believe. Sometimes it only takes a comment by a coworker or a conversation with a best friend, then doubt creeps in. What if Noah doubted? Would Noah have died during the flood? Let's imagine for a second that Noah did doubt God. In verse 13, he could have doubted God's wrath. Like, no, nah, God, I, I know you. You wouldn't ever do that. Could have doubted his abilities to build an ark. Uh, I'm, I'm never built an ark in my life. I don't even know where to begin. Could have doubted God's promise. Uh, would you really establish your covenant in me? Is there even enough time to build an ark? Now, how am I just going to get a wild tiger or something in this so-called ark? In all my life, I've never seen rain. How do I know there's going to be a flood? In Proverbs 3 and 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. It's clear that Noah trusted God with everything he had. It's also clear that if you had even one ounce of doubt in Noah's situation, the entire book of Genesis if not the existence of man, is changed. So now let's study about doubt and how we can face it. What is doubt? To answer this, first understand that there are two different kinds of doubt. The first one being in John 12 and 37. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Now this kind of doubt is the unwillingness to believe even in the face of evidence. It's a hard-hearted refusal to believe. The second one being in Mark 9, 23 and 24. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now this doubt is what we would call shaky faith. We want to believe, but we have trouble with doubts or unanswered questions that we have. At times, trusting what God says is not always easy. The big question is, what will we do with our doubt? Will we allow the doubt to turn us away from God or allow it to cause us to search things out of God more deeply? Notice how doubt was handled in these following verses. Genesis 17, 15 through 23, we'll see how Abraham responds to God. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face, and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. 
And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael's son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day, as God had said unto him. Abraham laughed at God, thinking they were too old to bear a kid. Then after thinking it through, he listened to God and did what God asked of him. In Matthew eleven two through 3 we'll see what John the Baptist did when he had some doubt. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? When John had questions, he sent people to talk to Jesus. He searched for the answers to the questions he had. Notice that even these godly people had doubts. Having questions does not make a person bad. If we will take our questions to the Lord, he will give us the answers we look for. We saw that many times doubt is a result of finding legitimate questions we may have concerning our faith. Now let's look at how God responds to our doubt. Does God get angry with us, or is it possible that God could use our doubt for good? In John, or excuse me, we will read the story of Thomas in John 20, 24 through 28, and then answer some questions. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them, and then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What doubt did Thomas have? Thomas questioned whether Jesus had really raised from the dead. And how did Jesus respond to his doubt? Jesus wasn't upset or angry. Rather, he showed kindness and patience. How do you believe Jesus viewed Thomas's doubt? I believe that Jesus understood that Thomas had an actual question and that Thomas truly wanted to believe that he raised from the dead. God does not get angry with our, with our doubt. He does, however, desire to give answers so that we can become stronger in our faith. When we think about doubts, we often think of the confusion and uncertainty that they bring. However, scriptures say that God can take our questions and turn them into something good. Let's read James 1, 5, and 6 and consider some more questions. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. What is the negative side of doubting? There is confusion. You are pulled every direction, and you are unstable. 
opposite of that, what is the positive side of doubting? God is willing to give us wisdom. He will give us the answers we are looking for if we search for them. And how can doubting be a good thing? It can cause us to think through issues and come to conclusions, which gives us a confidence and a stronger faith. When doubt creeps in, we must be willing to search for the truth. As God reveals the answers to us, we can find confidence in His truth and our faith will be made stronger. As we conclude, let us look at how we can overcome any doubts we may have and help those around us who may be struggling with doubt as well. God may desire to use us to help someone who is struggling in an area of doubt. When doing so, keep these things in mind. First one, be merciful to those who doubt. In Jude 1.22, the NIV version says, be merciful to those who doubt. Secondly, accept them where they are. <clears throat> in Romans 14.1, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matter. matters. Number three, help in a spirit of patience. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Number four, teach them what God has taught you. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, how do you tackle your own doubts? First, remember what we have already discussed. God knows your questions, so be honest about them. Having questions does not make you a bad person, and God is patient with you, and he wants to help you. With these in mind, here are some other suggestions to help you tackle your doubt. First one is go to God in prayer and study his word. James 1 and 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. John 20 and 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And 31 of that, but these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. 1 John 5 and 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Colossians 1 and 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look for the answers God has already given. Focus on what you do understand, what God has or is teaching you, rather than what you don't understand. Number two, rely on facts and not feelings. Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And Job 23.10, but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Trust the facts and what God says is true. Do not allow your emotions to confuse the truth. Number three, surround yourself with Christian people who encourage you. Talk to them, ask them questions, and learn from what God has shown them. If you grab your Bible again, or phone, turn to Genesis chapter 8, and we'll read a couple of verses there. Verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, 
and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the hundred and fifty days the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ariat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made, and he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro, until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him, to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth, and then he put forth his hand, and took her, and pulled her into, unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and he sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundredth and first year, and in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. In verses 7 and 8, we can see that Noah sent forth a raven and a dove to see if the waters had disappeared. In 10 and 12, he stayed, he stayed seven days and another seven days. Why did he wait so long? Why did he just keep sending out birds to see if there was any land? Why couldn't he have just looked out the window himself? Sometimes you just have to buckle down and trust God instead of trusting in yourself. In Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? When you live in a world that we live in today, it's easy to sin. It's easy to be far away from God and serve the world and our own desires. That can all make it easy to doubt. Whether you know it or not, your heart is wicked and wants you to trick you and cause to doubt God and trust in worldliness. The scriptures have plainly taught the exact opposite to be true. In many ways, the Christian life is a journey in which our faith grows stronger every day. May we seek after the truth, cling to the answers God gives, and develop a faith by which we can confidently and boldly live our lives for Jesus Christ.